Welcome to Terrace Truth Talkin'. I'm Joanna Bonaro, and today I have two wonderful women with me to talk about uh, psychological fitness or emotional fitness uh, as one of our categories. And returning is Martine Beyer, who is a psychotherapist who maintains a private practice for teens and adults in New York City, and who had our most popular podcast in season one, talking about her book, Sex and the Single Parent. So welcome, Martine. Thank you. We wanted to have her back because she has another wonderful book that we're going to talk about today, What to Do Instead of What You're Doing, Developing a Personal Toolkit with Choices to Navigate Relationships. And also to help us along the discussion is another wonderful woman, Terry Meisner, who is a certified Jinshin Jitsu practitioner who teaches health and wellness workshops in corporate medical and institutional settings like, I'm so impressed, the UN and Ronald McDonald House, among many other places. So welcome. Thank you for coming and joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So, Martine, yes. why don't we start this episode today and tell us about why you wrote this book? Um, I wrote the book because uh, I was working with a lot of different people who understood everything um, about why they were choosing a certain behavior. For instance, overeating. They didn't want to overeat, and yet they felt compelled to overeat. So they were kind of locked into this strategy of seeking comfort, and in this case with food. It could be shopping, it could be relationships, plenty of those, you know, where people get just compelled to a certain behavior that they know isn't so great for them. Um, And how do you get out of that? Otherwise, you're kind of like a prisoner to yourself. So the understanding didn't change the behavior because the wiring is such that Seeking food or relationships, um, you know, that aren't necessarily so great for you or over shopping, um, is seeking comfort. And that gets wired in with those behaviors. So seeking comfort is a terrific behavior, is a great choice. It's a terrific, um, motivation. Um, the wiring to do something that doesn't work for your life is not your fault. I, that's the most powerful thing, I think, when I tell people that, because they, there's a lot of shame when people... Well, it's a relief when you finally hear, it's not my fault. Yes. Or you're, you're shocked at first, right? Everyone probably says to you, what do you mean it's not my fault? Right, because every people don't understand um, uh, or not taught that you basically keep wiring in a behavior. So the strategy when you first chose the behavior, worked well. Maybe it was comfort, and it was good. And then it's overdone. Um, so if they understand that they're kind of habituated, like they, they're just crappy habits. Like this kid came to see me, and she said, I'm so OCD. I said, who diagnosed you OCD? She goes, well, I just know I am because I do this, I do this. I said, you've got a lot of crappy habits. I don't know <laughs> that I would bump you up to OCD. Mm-hmm. And the habits are not your fault. These are things you've chosen that were a good idea at the time and are being overused. It's like a, the old records, you know, stuck on a groove, mm-hmm. and it just keeps ticking and ticking. So I just was looking for ways to get people out of something because the talking, I, you know, I felt like as a person, a helping person, a practitioner, a clinician, it's like you can talk these things over and over again, which, by the way, re-imprint people. So you keep talking about it and talking about it, and it's like digging a ditch on the same behavior, mm-hmm. you know. So well, they talk about. I've read articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't in any way expound uh, knowledgeably, scientifically, you know, in terminology. But where the chemical reactions in your brain, you you create almost these thought grooves. That's right. And so you have to, you literally have to exercise and retrain your brain to rethink. And we'll touch more upon that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly what it is. It's such a simple concept, and it it just, like, really relieves people because what to do instead of what you're doing, most people, if you're suffering, um, if you're overspending, if you're overeating, if you're overtalking, if you're overrunning, if you're – you want to change the behavior, but you don't know – and actually, you might know what you want to do instead, but how do you get yourself – 
to be able to do and choose a different behavior. Mm-hmm. So it's really, a, the book's kind of like a, a, a training manual of when you're stuck in one habit, how do you rewire the brain to get into a different habit? So you talked about uh, emotional shifting. Right. And that's what you mean by that? Emotional yes. shifting, how to bring about the best possible outcome? Right. So a, a very simple one before I trained for me um, was I used to go to the gym um, and, the, and, it, um, and, and, you know, most evenings at one point in my life. And then on the way home from the gym, I would pass a store and I would go in and I would buy a very small bag of potato chips, which I would <laughs> resist eating. I was resi- resist eating the entire package, and my doorman was eagerly waiting. Oh, you've got potato chips! <laughs> you know, I'm being like, why am I doing this? It's your reward. <laughs> well, you kind of crave a little salt. Your caloric reward, <laughs> right? But then I didn't feel great about it, um, and so I made this decision not to pass the store. Mm. So I actually walked around a block. And I realized that by the time I got to my corner, I didn't have the craving anymore. Now, after I've studied what I've, what we know about the brain, is that when you get a, a firing of a trigger, it lasts about two minutes. If you create an interrupt, or what I've called a trigger shifter, mm-hmm. basically you're uh, keeping the neuron of the old habit the neurons in the brain, which are signals, I want, I want, I want, or, you know, mm-hmm. I need, I need, I need. You're basically not um, feeding that, and you're moving to another habit, which for me was the walk and the the um, expanding time. Mm-hmm. So I've got that two-minute period. I've gotten through that. I'm at my corner. I don't have the craving. I've essentially, by choosing a different behavior, just created... Um, some practice, some exercise for new neurons in my brain. Mm. So when the craving fires, I can begin to crave a little bit of walking instead of the potato chips. It's just that simple. If you want to break an old pattern, an old habit, you choose a new pattern, a new habit. And those are the trigger shifters that I give people. So if I want to stop eating at 9 o'clock at night because I really want the chocolate donut. Right. First, it would be don't buy the chocolate donuts. But let's say you did. Right. Then don't get up from the couch, go to the kitchen and get it. Get up from the couch and maybe uh, do jumping jacks or right. if it's nice out and not freezing, take a walk around the block. Right. And at first it will seem odd. Right. But then what you're saying is you're reintroducing new impulses in in the brain. Exactly. You're going to get your brain to fire differently. The more you, you know, I use this metaphor or analogy in my practice for people. It's like if if you work out and you are uh, building your biceps and you only build the left arm, it's going to be very strong. So that's the impulse for the donut. Mm. If you keep doing it very, very, very strong. Mm -hmm. If you refuse that, Ref- refuse and refuse to the other arm, like oh, refuse nice. it to a habit mm-hmm. and build up the other arm, which is essentially saying yes to no donuts. Mm-hmm. I don't even use no. I use yes because every time you say no, there's a yes in it. So you're saying yes to wanting to be more comfortable physically, have less sugar, be healthier, those mm-hmm. types of things. So you keep choosing the new habit. And the first time I discovered it again was before the training. Somebody in my family was very ill, and I used to worry. And what's the new test going to be? And the the outcome was not going to be good. Um, But in the meantime, person's here, and so you want to be in life. So I'd be on the subway, and it would be that my mind would go to, because worry is a a horrible habit for human beings, (laughs) because we're very fear-based people in order to survive, and so we, we worry as a way to ward off a bad behavior, but big surprise, doesn't do anything, makes it worse. But there we are. We've evolved this way so far, mm-hmm. but we can now change some of that. So every time my mind would worry, and I'm telling you, like every time I practiced it, like what would happen, I was on any place I was and I would think, oh, you know, I'd get that sinking feeling um, when you feel like you're get bad news. Um, and I would basically interrupt it. It's a trigger shifter. I would rub my hands together, and I would I created a sentence of what I wanted it to be. It's peaceful. It is loving. 
I didn't even say I want it to be peaceful, loving. It is peaceful. It is loving. And I would find myself doing that at the beginning, like many times a day. So I started to share it with clients who were pretty much locked into these Mm -hmm. old habits that weren't serving them. And they'd go, wow, that's like, but you have to do that a lot of times. So I said, well, I am. I'm, I'm currently doing it 20 times a day for about 10 seconds each. So how many minutes a day is that? And how much release do you get from it? I mean, I didn't tell him the content of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was just telling him I was changing my habits. But um, it worked. And, you know, I one of the chapters in my book is called Ungripping the Grip. I love that. I love that term. I was going to ask you about how to reduce the intensity ungripping the grip. Exactly. Because we get gripped. Like I, the thought would come and I would be like, prison, I'm in prison. But until I knew another strategy to get out of it. And so you really just move your mind someplace else. For a lot of us, um, you need an other sensory experience. That's why the touching and the rubbing for me, you know, that reminder, um, you, uh, the, the push, like you were saying, the jumping jacks for you, it's going to be another sensory experience. It's movement, it's sound, because you know, your feet are going to be tapping on the floor when you come down. Um, your breath, you're going to be using your breath differently. That gives you a lot of release of the craving hormone. Mm. So you basically, when you do an other sensory behavior, you're, you're shutting off the faucet of the chemicals that go along with the craving. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's um it's a really simple concept. Just do something else and it's a shifter. And right? but you have to you have to be aware enough to say, okay, now I'm going to do something else. Right. You have to choose it. I you get, have to choose it. Yeah. You, you can't say, oh I'm gonna choose it, but no, I'll do it tomorrow. You have to actually choose it because that's the human tendency too. Right. You know, I'm really comfortable here and I really want my chocolate donut and okay, I'll do it. I know I have to do it. I want to do it. Right. I want to break the habit. I'll do it tomorrow. Right. But then you don't feel so great. Right. That's right. the thing. And then so the other question I ask people is, or I give them to ask themselves, do you want to be doing this to yourself right now? Mm. If the answer is no, what is your next best choice? And that I have this male metaphor for like changing lanes on a highway. So if you know you're gripped, you're in gridlock. Do you stay in that lane, or if you have an opportunity to change to another lane, do you change to the other lane? So I think the nice thing about um, these ideas and the idea of the book is that there's always something to try if you want to shift a behavior. What I also liked is is the positive outcome, which is in a way. It's not negative where, oh, I'm, I have to stop what, something what you said. I have to stop doing this. I saw it, uh, as the outcome or do I want to really feel this way? How do I want to feel? There's a reward at the end of changing right. the behavior. Right. So it's actually changing a negative into a positive because now you're concentrating on the reward, which is if I don't have the donut, I'm actually going to feel better about myself. See, that's I'm proud of myself. Correct. Yeah, that's the yes in the no. Right. So I was working with someone who had a terrible drinking problem, or and it became kind of a spending problem too because he'd go out to bars a few times a week, and um, you know it was pretty costly, and. You know, he had, well, it's peers and it's this, it's social. But I said, You're, if you say no to that, what what will you get out of it? And, well, I could travel. I'll have more money for this or that. So every time you say no, even if you just go out one night a week, make that decision, you're saying yes to a, another kind of freedom. So when you start to imprint that for people, it's like worth your while. You know, to, people don't do make any real change unless it's worth it to them. Mm-hmm. So if... People can feel successful in some way. And, you know, um, with he was also had a lot of trouble not drinking. We got him knitting, believe it or not. <laughs> Which is a great suggestion because you're getting more bilateral. than one sense. Bilateral mm-hmm. stimulation mm-hmm. and also more than one sense involved because it's right. movement, it's texture, it's tactile. Plus, he's probably going to have to watch with his fingers where they're going. Right. So it's a great way to interrupt. Complete shifts of yeah, focus. pattern interrupt. Right. So we, we would prescriptively like say, well, this week... When he comes into his house, which was a, that was a trigger moment. Sometimes you know your trigger moments. Even when he was with somebody in the home, 
when you come in, it felt like an, a lonely time for him, which okay. that hit a lot of different neurons for him. So the pattern that we created was he was going to come into the house. Well, first he was going to, by the way, he's a very brilliant guy. He was a professor. Um, and he was going to go to Dwayne Reed and read People magazine for 10 minutes because that actually <laughs> completely relaxed his mind. So it would it'd prime him to go to home. It was non-cerebral, huh? It was so non-cerebral, <laughs> and it was so like out of the realm of what he was doing with academia. So he would do People magazine, and then he'd go home, and he would make himself, and this is kind of when you're talking about the donut, the pull to the donut is strong, so the pull to like getting a drink was strong. He would make himself sit down, pick music, put on the headphones, and he would knit. And the thing I, I helped him to do was... I love that image. That's wonderful. Isn't that great? Yeah. 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 And I love the multisensory mm-hmm. use of all of that. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I give people something else, which is look at your watch and try to, you know, get past five to ten minutes. If you enjoy doing it, go longer. But when you're shifting a behavior, like a, a small amount of time can seem long at the beginning. Like mm-hmm. if you're just yes. doing breathing, you can. So if you just know and watch and use your watch, especially, um, you have a sense of like the frame kind of a, and so. Um, yeah, so it was great. So I hadn't mentioned bilateral stimulation, which is a big part of the shift. When I say other sensory, anything you can do with moving your body out of sync, right hand, left hand, tap your left knee, your right knee. I have people doing this um, in business things when they're really in conferences and they're, you know, even for an interview, if their hands aren't being seen, lightly tapping one side of the leg, then the other. Yeah, I read about that and mm-hmm. I've, I thought that was fascinating and it mm-hmm. does work. It does work. It's incredible, actually. It is pretty All these incredible. practices are so accessible if you know where to find them. And with Martine's book and people talking with podcasts like that you're providing, which is a great service, people are getting to know what these techniques are and be able to use them for self-care. Yes. How fabulous is that? Yeah, because I've known Martine for over a decade now. Yeah. And uh, we hit it off when we... She's also a very successful playwright and very creative, and I was in one of her plays. And I think at that point... One of my parents was ill and I was going through a problem and uh, Martine has always been very helpful giving yeah. me hints. Anything I know. <laughs> Anything I know I share. That's also but why it, I wrote it the book. But it does work. Yeah. And, and that's also, you know, all kidding aside, we say you had the most successful podcast. We want you back. But bottom line is the woman knows what she's talking about and is very em- empathetic. 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 Empathic. 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 But Martine also has a wonderful sense of humor. Wonderful. Which is a great way to calm people down. Thank you very much. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, but you know what I want you to, I want you to tell everyone because I read, of course I read the book and, uh, and you give a lot of examples of uh, what a trigger is and then how, what are trigger shifters. Right. And you talked about one client that you had, you told her to do a headstand. I just thought that was magnificent. <laughs> was, I'm planning to do that myself. You know, I spent a lot of time on my head in my life. Um, <laughs> but I, ha- I had a client, actually, it was um, quite a while ago, and she became so desperate uh, about relationship stuff. And it was a Friday, and we were talking, and uh, having our session, and she says, "I don't even know how I'm going to get through the weekend like that." And I, at the time, I was doing a, you know a lot of yoga and different things. So I, said, I don't know. I, I I said, "Can you stand on your head?" And um, she said, "Yes." I said, "You know that time that it takes to align your body against a wall and stand on your head, you're going to get about two minutes." Of, in, of really a, an interrupt. I didn't even use those words at the time. It was just my instinct, like, what the heck can you do? I like to exercise myself. I've referenced it three times today. I do other things. Um, <laughs> mosaic. She does magnificent. <laughs> magnificent mosaic. That's a fabulous um, art. Is a wonderful trigger shifter. If anybody has, like, little kids and their kids are all jazzed up, I have a chapter on kids, Um if you just take a long piece of paper, you know, like that's going to go basically from what one side of the head to the other side, about that long. Um, if you don't, you can use regular eight by ten. But and you just give them colored pencils and have them talk to you while they're go, you know, 
drawing back and forth. You can do it with them. That is a bilateral stimulation. Like back and back and yeah. forth, meaning left yeah, and like right. Yeah, like making rainbows. Yeah, I just see. like back and forth, side of, one side of the paper to the other side of the paper. Um, it will completely. It's so bilateral, and it's color. It's another activity. It changes focus. Your child will calm down. The other thing, and I did this with an adult. <clears throat> I was. Um, she came and she's sobbing and sobbing after a job interview. She felt she didn't do well. I can't get. I can't understand what she's saying. And um, so I, I stood up. I said, "Stand up and tell me about it." And I literally clapped my hand. I put my uh, palms together in the center of my body, and I just clapped from side to side, mm-hmm. coming back to the center, right, left, right, left. And as we're doing this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, she starts telling me about it. She starts laughing because it's so silly. I mm-hmm. said, just do it. And then I put my arm up, right, left, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm doing like Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> if anybody remembers that. Or maybe maybe go Camilla Cabello. You know? So she started laughing. And then she calmed down enough. And we she told me about the interview. And then we could, like, look at what she did. And, you know, she was overwrought. Speaking of, you know, internalizing and getting your neurons firing. She she went to like getting very overwhelmed very fast because that's what got wired in when she was a kid. You mm-hmm. know, she was overwhelmed and left alone a lot. So um, we were able to talk it really through. And then she came in the next time and she said, my boyfriend and I had a fight. And I said to him, stand up. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then, uh, you know, they laughed and they were able to get through it. And he's, she said, now he wants to see you. But she said, I don't feel like sharing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really She fun. became very protective of, of you, yes. Yeah, really <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing is, it, the feeling also as a practitioner, as a clinician, to be able to have that tool. Because when I first started in this work, there's no way it just wasn't done. I mean, I was told not to use laughter. Laughter is a very big element of what I use. I I wrote a piece that people can read online. Um, it was published called "This Is Your Brain on Laughter," mm. and I literally give people like, "What's going to be your your funny prescription this week?" so that you can shift out of you know sinking because you don't want to sink. And what are you going to do instead? Um, should I tell you another example? Yes, I want I want to hear. I okay. mean, my New Year resolution is to bring genuine laughter to myself and hopefully those around me. I'm not a comical person. I'm very serious. You're pretty as funny. You know, oh, but, you have a good yeah. but I'm, I'm inadvertently funny. I can't tell I can't tell a joke to save my life. Well, a straight joke, but you're pretty funny and a very good comic actress, Thank you. I must add. Thank you, darling. But my, my play was dark comedy. Yes, it was. It was, <laughs> it, was it was so funny, but it was dark and uh <laughs> And, but it's to, and I, so far I think I've been successful is to bring laughter every single day, not only to myself, but to people around me. And even if I'm just laughing or smiling, it just, it just lifts your entire day. Well, it changes the hormones in your body, the feel good hormones, and that's Mm -hmm. incredible. That's right. Yeah. That's the idea of the faucet. You know, laughter, um, this is your brain on laughter. Is, laughter, I use it as medicine. Laughter is medicine for the body. It's like a love deal because it's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so you're going to give us some examples. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I had, so another one I'm, uh, I was working with who, very powerful in the world, very talented, does not matter, crazed about a relationship, had, you know, you can go to the psychology of a, a very rejecting parent, mother, so that the boyfriends become the, I'm going to get the love this time, and becomes desperate. So she was looking at her phone, oh, I mean, like probably a hundred times a day. Did he call? Did he call? What did he say? What did he say? So um, I said, you remind me of, uh, did you ever see Streetcar Named Desire? So I said, the, the pain that I'm feeling when you talk about this, you know, that, that I'm feeling, you're feeling, is, do you remember Stanley under the balcony when Stella rejects him? Yes. And he's literally screaming, Stella! <laughs> <laughs> like he's just a shrieking cat. So uh, I said to her, go on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Just watch that scene. Mm-hmm. If, it, if you like it, put it on your phone. And every time... <laughs> I send people stuff. I'll tell you another one. I send somebody. 
uh, you know, an interrupt, a, a trick, which is the same thing as a yes. tr- trigger shifter. So um, she she did. She put it on her phone, and the next session she came and she was from Europe, and she had a funny. And she so I said, "How'd you do this week?" And she went, "Stella." <laughs> <laughs> It reduced, you know, it's not magic, but you're basically going back to the thing I said originally in earlier in the interview. You're basically building in other wiring. You're building in another neural pathway that provides release, you know, and as Terry said, stimulates these really good hormones that are the feel good hormones, which we need. So it's shutting off the crappy hormones mm-hmm. and it's, it's literally, it's just really mechanical. In a certain way, you know, um, do this, don't do this. Right. If you do this enough, you're going to get this result. So, um, so I give people prescriptions. I had a client who uh, had a horrible uh, colleague who was always trying to one up her and everything. Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, because mm-hmm. I wanted to. So we've talking about someone who might have a small child. So mm-hmm. you've given ideas on that, mm-hmm. and this woman, this professor mm-hmm. who had issues around. Drinking. Drinking. And so that was a, a solution. So it, I want to, in, in a weird way, compartmentalize some of sure. it so that it's clear to people who are listening, like, oh, yeah, I have that problem. Right. You know, and, and now this woman with the headstand was having relationship issues. Right. So we've covered that. Now, what, what example are you bringing up now? Uh, now this is in the workplace. In the workplace. I mean, the okay. workplace, I gave you the tapping under the table. Right, but give us yes, another one. So the, I'm going to yeah. give you another one for the workplace or any place, really. So the client would come around, uh, not the client, the colleague would come around and kind of go, well, uh, you know, I got this or this person, you know, basically saying like she was getting more perks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's aggravating and it was hard to shake off. So I said, you know, this person... I don't know, for some reason I'm getting a feeling. You ever have a fly? <laughs> oh, I remember reading this. Oh, guys, I love this. you got to hear it. You've got to hear it because I'm using it. Do it. Do it. So do, you, so do you remember like a fly just comes and lands on your desk? I mean, you don't really pay much attention. What do you usually do? You kind of move your hand. You swat it away. I said, when this person comes around, how about just doing the motion? I said, you think it's silly, but... Actually, the mind is prompted by physical, kinetic. Just do the little motion, like flick. Just do a little flick. So it's very useful in a lot of places. You just do a little yeah, flick. Yeah, you do a little flick. It, it works. It works. It does stuff. It just, it, it's another thing to do instead of being there, like, completely entrapped in this bad feeling she but was But what having. I thought was brilliant yeah. was the fact that, you know, if you read the book, and I really hi- highly recommend you do, it's not a long book. It's very relatable. Right. It's not a lot of terminology. Yeah. So yeah. you don't have to worry about, you know, how do I dissect this sentence? But that flick for me, I mean, you, you talk about laughter and movement and breathing and doodling. It's finding the right... right. Uh, uh, trigger shifter too, and that to me was brilliant because that really right. works for me. That's the thing. There's so many. Like when I, I said, one of the reasons I wrote the book. There are so many different things to try. You just keep trying things, and then sometimes something works, and then you need something else. Mm. I mean, you can use a color as a trigger shifter. You can use moving your mind to the ocean as a trigger shifter if you use it enough. Also, it's nice sometimes. I have people add it. You know have visuals around them, put it on your phone, put it on your desk, have it on your laptop, have a little one in your wallet. You know, you're continually seeing the color or the image. Mm-hmm. It's like the concept of Pavlov's dog. I was, mm. I was just thinking that stimuli. Yeah, yeah, it's a stimuli. So the dog hears the bell and he knows it's food. The you're, you're really imprinting a response. And if you're imprinting a response that gives you freedom and comfort, release, laughter, you know, the, the positives, um, it's great. Yeah, another thing, uh, and I made the connection. I was doing it on my own, but I made the connection after I, I reread the book. Uh, right. And uh, anyone who knows me knows that I had a chow chow for almost 17 years yeah. who I was, was the love of my life and I was besotted by. Yeah. And I really do miss her. But on my Instagram feed, 
I have a lot of chow chows. So whenever something happens, perhaps during the day that, you know, makes me a little nervous or, or what have you, uh, irritates me, I literally go on to, in- I do this. I right. go on to Instagram. Smart. Cause I'm not going to flick my chow chow away. And I go to the pictures of the chow chows and I immediately smile. Immediately. Right. Which really is one of the things about grief is that people also feel that heaviness, and you know, it is, it's a, you miss people. Um, Think of the picture, one of the interrupts or the soothers, maybe we can call it that for grief, is if you keep a picture or have a picture of the person around, exactly. And I'll, when I feel, uh, I've had some losses. When I feel missing a person, I just look at the picture, I, I blow a little kiss, or I say, hi, kid, which mm. reminds me of George Burns used to do that. Oh, goodbye, Gracie. Oh, he, yes. went, he went to visit, right. he went to her um, crypt every day and would chat with her, even though he went on to other things. And he would just say, okay, kid, see you tomorrow. Oh, oh, that's a lovely story. That is a crazy makes story. Feel so good. I yeah. know. Yeah. Think about that love. Yeah. To connect. I mean, you want to connect. You miss the person rather than not being steeped just in the missing. Mm-hmm. You kind of commune a little bit, you know, with um, with the person. They're just like you know. There, there are alternative things to do. There are always there are things to do that are different than what you've been doing. You yes. know, and what you've been doing. So, yeah. So. Um, Let me ask you, Yeah, talking about the book, Mm -hmm. I love the cover of the book. Oh, right. So how did you choose the book cover illustration? Okay, so the cover is um, somebody, the thinker, basically, Mm -hmm. a little thinker character, a little bit drawn differently, um, pondering, and over his or her head, or hamsters in a wheel, <laughs> not knowing what to choose, you know, or decide. And so um, I chose it because we can be spinning, mm. but there is something to do instead of what you're doing. Got it. So that's why I chose it. Got it. And it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. No, no, it's humorous. <laughs> Nothing like a hamsters in a wheel. Yeah. Um, so um, I'll tell you, this, these techniques and just knowing these kinds of things – comforting people um, so that they know that their intentions are good and that if they're doing some things that aren't quite working, it's not their fault, mm-hmm. is such a relief, a relief as a person in my position. It's a relief to the person receiving that information. So it's really been extremely liberating to have this. And and you can the humor stuff is just great. It's great, yeah. If you want to hear one more about couples, would you yes. like to hear about a couple? Well, yeah, I'm sure we all uh, have relationship issues, so okay. go so, for it. Okay, so um, I have a colleague, this many years ago, who told this story, um, which I used recently with some a couple I was working with. And uh, so she was working with this couple, and they were doing well. They were coming more for, like, you know, guidance and this and that. And then they went through a very bad patch where they were very aggressive, and they were screaming at each other in the office. And they loved the dog. She had the dog there if people liked to have the dog, and they did. They always loved Rufus. That was Rufus. So Rufus would, you know, um, watch. he was watching their their arguing, and she said he was kind of going back and forth. You know, it's like a little five-pound Yorkie watching, like, a ping-pong game. They're screaming back and forth, back and forth, and they were sitting apart on a couch, and Rufus is looking, looking, and then he jumps up on the couch in the middle of them and throws up. <laughs> Yuck. Talk about a trigger shifter. So then oh. one, one of the partners says, oh, my God, we're not only making each other sick, but we're making the dog sick. So That was a stimulus. It was a shift. She said yeah. it was a turning point. So when I was working with a couple... I said, you need to have some type of signal because you go to, like, number 10, which is the hottest, and you need to be able to stop yourself when you're feeling, you know, half that because otherwise you're in the ditch. They both Mm -hmm. agree. See, that's understanding. You understand it, but you don't stop yourself Mm because they're wired to be combative Mm -hmm. about it. So uh, I was trying to – so I told him the story. And so, you know, what word – what you know, and they have different animals, and it connects with animals, so they chose something. But it's kind of like they'll laugh instead of you know. Hopefully, they'll laugh. 
Um, because they don't want to be going where they go, but at that moment, the craving, the need to fight, to stand for yourself, sense of self, it's like your entire, um, rational mind is gone. So, but if they have this little trigger shifter, so if it works and they like it, let's say they, they picked a zebra, mm-hmm. just for kicks, I'll buy them a little zebra to, to like hold, <laughs> you know, hold up like a talisman, you know, hopefully it'll work. You know, these things can, they, you try, you keep trying. Well, that ties into the point you're trying to make about emotional shifting. You say how you should say to yourself, how do I create a collaborative solution? Because it's not, you never get anywhere if you dig your heels in right. and say, no, I'm not going to change or no, I ref- no I'm, I'm right. No, I'm out of here. Yeah. And, and then it leaves, it leaves, it, creates a continuation of or a negation of of, of a situation of or a human being. Yeah. yeah, it's painful. Yeah. If you can smooth the jagged edge, um, you know, it, people get stuck on pride and um, there's a way – and then they, they sort of cut their nose despite their face, like there might be something to get out of it, which – the very least would be let's agree to disagree, mm-hmm. and I understand your position, but that's not where I am. It's not my take on it, but I see it's your take on it, and just part if it has to be. And, that. and you walk the talk because mm-hmm. I know Martine and I have a wonderful friendship um, for years and years now. But it doesn't mean we agree on everything, and sometimes we have mm-hmm. conversations. And we just say, okay, we, we just don't agree. But we like one another yeah. enough to oh, say, yeah. okay, this doesn't color our whole relationship. We agree to disagree. And, yeah. and I, what I loved about with the book and, and this topic specifically is when you're talking about how to disconnect, you say, don't give it any power. Don't give it power. And you use the phrase, nobody wins unless everybody wins. Oh, right. And I the, loved yeah. that. Yeah. The negotiation. Because that was a movie director example I think I gave. I knew somebody who uh, had a low-budget movie. Mm, yes, that's what it was. Yeah. Yes. So um, he had this – I'll try to make the shorter story. So he had this actress, and it was a low-budget. They were in a, a house, a uh, small location, and they had the PAs, uh, production assistants, and they were serving lunch. I guess the kids did it. Look, they're working 15-hour days. They want a break. He had a pretty well-known actress. I mean, she had a pretty good track record. Everything was fine. It was like a 10-day shoot. They're on day seven. And apparently this this particular actress had some quirks. So the production assistant handed her the lunch, and apparently the dressing touched the potato or something like that. It was was a habit, bad habit. Uh, And she slams the lunch down and... Goes up to her room and slams the door. And he's saying, God damn, I have to get the light. You know, I have to get the oh, yeah. shot. Yeah, you have to get the light. Now, what am I going to do? And he makes the decision. And he goes upstairs. He knocks on the door. And he goes, I want you to know I am so terribly sorry that this happened. And it will never happen again. And I, I take full responsibility for this. And I completely understand Whenever you're ready, if you're feeling up to it, um, we're set up. And she goes, mm-hmm. He goes, I really want you to know I take full responsibility for it, and we will protect you around this. And you know, just comforting her. Over, goes, over the salad dressing touching the potatoes? Something? Over her throwing a fit, and he needed to, what he needed was her to get back down right. there to do the scene, right? Because he didn't want to come in over budget, because okay. he's a, especially sure. because he's a young director. And she says, "Hmm," <laughs> like loosening up. <laughs> and so she comes down and she does the scene, and it's fine. And when he told the story, I said, "Wow, that's that's very powerful of you." And he was practically like, you know, bowing to me. Thank you, thank you. Because he needed to get what he needed to get. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to solve her emotional problem. Mm-hmm. I guess the shifter there was that he just decided to give her the thing he felt she needed. Lots of empathy. Whether you find it rational, there was no judgment. It's like, what do I need? What are the elements? What do I need to do to accomplish it? And he did it. And by the way, he also spoke to the PA saying, like, 
I get it. I mean, he's a very, he was a lovely guy. But it was very powerful because he basically shifted what he needed to shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't get into any power struggle with for her. Himself and it's and very for her, powerful. too. Yeah. yeah, and very powerful. And let her have her dignity, too. True. Didn't shame her about acting like a two-year-old. Um, it was a tantrum. She had a tantrum. Um, you're not going to sit and say to a, a, a two-year-old, let's discuss why you wanted those lollipops when I told you you couldn't have them. I mean, you know, you can have a big body and a grown-up body, but when you look at people, they're developmentally very different ages. So, I mean, I've had 80-year-olds who are literally stuck at places at age two and three and throwing tantrums and panicking because they couldn't be without, i.e., you know, Mm -hmm. mommy. Mm. And they never solved it. But the elasticity of the brain, you want to know what? With these techniques? They did. I thought I was going to have somebody, like, crazy glued to me for the rest of my life. Like, I turn around <laughs> and this person would... And she solved it. That's fantastic. She was something along the lines. I changed it because for people's of privacy. Course. But she goes, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone. So what? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, you know... And that was a lot of this kind of practice stuff, different combinations of, of things, just building endurance, different neural pathways. So, so let me ask you, Terry, since uh, you're yeah. a practitioner of, of Jin Shin Jitsu. Thank you. Do you find in your practice that you, is it a similar approach? I mean, I we're going to have a whole episode around what you what your philosophy is and, and what you do. But are are there similarities here? Absolutely. And first of all, Martine and I trained. I have um, lots of different um, practices that I work with. Jinshin Jitsu happens to be my primary. But one of the things that Martine had talked about was the attitudes of worry and fear and sadness. And one of the core tenets of very simple Jinshin Jitsu self-care exercise helps to bring down the temperature of those attitudes or emotions. So we use a combination of breath and light touch to change patterns, to shift behaviors, to um, bring people's awareness to another place simply, easily, mm-hmm. just physiologically, with those, physiologically mentally, yeah. emotionally, on all of those levels. But so, for example, if someone was stuck in the attitude of worry, which when I teach my wellness workshops, oftentimes worry, fear, anxiety, and sadness are the core um, emotions that run through people's issues, mm-hmm. we have them hold their finger and breathe very simply. So the thumb in Jinshin Jitsu represents the attitude of worry. And don't you know that babies physiologically, when they come out of the womb, they suck their thumbs to help with their digestion and to shift their um, change from being in a protected environment to being stimulated with all of these new sights, sounds, feelings, smells that they are um surrounded with and this gives them a way to calm their own nervous system interesting physiologically and what we find is when you hold your fingers and breathe changing the tempo of your inhale making it longer slower and deeper and slowing down your exhale you're sending a signal to your nervous system to calm very simply and with sadness um you hold your ring finger and that helps to ameliorate feelings of sadness fear in jinshin jitsu is the index finger and the middle finger helps with anger. And no surprise, that's the New Yorker's salute to somebody when they're upset <laughs> yeah, or right. frustrated. They flip their finger at someone. And instead, Martine has this thing where she talks about grip it. Well, in, in Jin Shin Jitsu, you can gently, lovingly hold your finger and breathe. And that will help calm your intensity of the emotion in that moment. It'll interrupt the pattern. Got it. So there is a yeah, beautiful are, through line yeah, with these totally. practices. I use, I've, they I complement use, one another. Absolutely. I use Terry's techniques in my practice. I've used it myself, you know, is that place and I was feeling a little bit of anxiety and the pinky is uh, holds the anxiety and I just held the finger and it does. It eases your system. It's like your heart rate slows a little bit and your breathing eases. It's great. You know, yeah, and your I, muscles start to relax. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And like what the, one of the things that Martine had talked about is the more you sort of practice and work that muscle, which is the stimulating that relaxation response, mm-hmm. your body will relax much more well, quickly yes. if you use it, if you practice it frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be two minutes, one minute, three minutes a day. Very, very simple. So that you prime all of your senses 
to learn how to calm. Yeah, Martine told me about you and what you practice, and uh, and I was fascinated by it. So I had asked Martine, do you think Terry can come today to mm-hmm. be part of that yeah, episode? And then I said, and... I want to ask her if she'll if we can have a whole episode that is all about what you practice, Jinshin Jitsu, and uh, we are going to have uh, we are going to have Terry on in a completely different episode just to talk about that because it's fascinating and it works. It Again, really works. It works. I mean, it's it, I use it as a, a another skill set for people in my practice. I literally give them all the the fingers that Terry mm-hmm. just mentioned and um, you know what they hold and. People use it. I mean, and what's really great yeah. is that you can use these practices if you're two years old, if you're eighty years old, yeah, or if you're great. in between, <laughs> or if you're in your effulgent years. Like in your effulgent years, that's right. Uh, you know, Martine, you also talk about how these trigger shifters and these interruption exercises—they're better than just talking. And I guess, yeah, what this whole episode has shown is that talking. And talk therapy is very beneficial, but these other these other practices are are almost neurological. They're, they are they're efficient. Like the the talking is attachment and the closeness, being witnessed, being held emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm there. I'm with you. There's a, there are a lot of people suffer from not from that terrible disconnect of not being known, and so the narrative still has very much to offer. But, you know, that story I told about the woman who came in after the job interview, I couldn't even talk. I mean, she couldn't talk. So it's so great that there was something else to lace in. Um, You can talk about a habit over and over again. Again, it's a way of not imprinting it. You um, You can kind of feel like I move it all around, and I just do anything ethical. That gets people where they want to go, mm-hmm. and you need these other sensory techniques. There's no, there's no question in my mind. I just you need other techniques like this, um, and they're fairly new in terms of being around. You know, I'd say that the techniques are are have been around for lifetimes, but sure. I would say that the use of them in this setting is new. That's what I mean. I mean yeah. like the last yeah twenty years maybe. Yeah, because people are getting finally more creative in therapeutic settings yeah. and using trying to use whatever works as you mentioned in an ethical manner. Right. And how beautiful to be able to have these um practices available to you. And plus you use them so creatively. Yeah. Which makes practicing fun. Fun. It's really a lot more fun. But the neurological part is the thing. You mm-hmm. want to get at that wiring. That was the original reason why I started exploring other modalities. I'm trained, we won't get into it today, but maybe some other time, maybe. It was called EMDR, uh, Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. And that's a whole other bilateral mm-hmm. technique. And I, yes. somebody who like was so reactive to everything, I did one um, session with her. And, you know, like her husband would say, did you forget to buy a container of milk? And she would flip her lid. I, I bought the milk. I always buy the milk. You know, and so we did one EMDR session. And, uh, I mean, she came back. She was very much a New Yorker. And she said, I don't know what happened. I knew I didn't do anything <laughs> wrong. Okay. It was, you know, it was so funny. And um, we couldn't get at that. She knew that she was overreactive, it just released. It was like magic. Yeah. Is that? I, I had one last question. Sure. This is also fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, is does that apply to? You wrote in your book about uh, problematic personal psychology. Yeah. What is PPP factor? Okay, so um, people, are, no two brands are the same, which we mentioned earlier. You and I are really good friends. We have some different points of view. I love so you. So what? I love you. <laughs> yeah, so what? And we just don't have to hang out in those places. Yeah. You know, but we're compatible in so There's many a lot other of ways. Yeah, yeah, a lot of great stuff. So um, the PPP factor. So when you come up against something that does really hit a place in you and rubs you the wrong way, and I can give an example of somebody who 
her mother-in-law, and I have full permission to use this. Um, I'll change it. I, yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit. In-laws, I'm sure there are many listeners who, <laughs> who have in-law problems. Talk about being triggered. So the mother-in-law, let's say, always talks about cats so and nothing else. And so there's no, the mother, for whatever reasons is how this woman developed, she was not able to take an interest and enter the world of either her daughter-in-law or her son at all. So it became a monologue. And so she would come in and talk about it. And we discussed how people form and it's not about her. It's not her fault. All these things. So for the like 10th time or less, because she didn't see her that much, which the sixth time she's, my mother-in-law is coming again. What am I going to do? I said, either use a trigger shifter or dress like a cat. <laughs> I, there's nothing you can do. Maybe she'll... Maybe, yeah. maybe she'll... So I had given her um, a really good interrupt. Um, originally, I called it the pee-pee factor mm-hmm. because I had a family situation, and I, I said to a friend, well, everybody's on good behavior um, I said, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And she said, oh, it'll drop because everybody returns to their personal psychology. Mm. We all have like a, a, a default oh, place, yes. which some we want to heal and get rid of that stuff. Um, but people just go to the thing that there's, there's a belief system. So um, she, uh, so I said the pee-pee factor. And I said, it's kind of like people in the personality. It's like a, an animal peeing on a fire hydrant and, you know, claiming their turf in their personal psychology. I said, you might think of an animal peeing <laughs> on, on, you know, how they do that to claim their territory, to mark their territory. When you're hearing your mother-in-law talk about a cat, just don't get into it. Just bring your mind someplace else. And she did that so many, she was hysterical. She said, I'm just sitting there like laughing <laughs> inside. I'm just, I laughed the whole time. She said, I couldn't believe it. Um, see, if people use it, it's not like I'm a miracle worker. I offer this stuff. Some people really go for it and they get relief. Um, so that was All the right. personal psychology. You're going to run up against triggers in per- people's personal psychology. Well, this has been fascinating. Thank both of you. Uh, to wrap this up, just in summary, ask yourself, this is from Martine's book, mm-hmm. do I want to do this to myself? Where can I go from here? What do I want to feel instead? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the book recommendation is What to Do Instead of What You're Doing by Martine J. Byer, B-Y-E-R, it's on Amazon, and it's also on my website, martinebuyerlcsw.com. And you can download it on Kindle, mm-hmm. which is what I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, to close... Or get a hard copy if you want to mark it up and study. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> highlighting it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, no, I couldn't get it. No, I couldn't get it delivered in time. I'll give, you a, I'll give you this copy. And so I said, well, what am I going to do? I have to reread the book. Because I have to. That's right. right? And because I know all about it from being a friendly, but, you know, to formally read the book. And I couldn't get it in time. So I said, all right, downloading it on my Kindle. But I actually don't like that for books that are instructive because I'm the type of person who I highlight and I write in and I write notes. And so now I have to copy. If you see this, thank you. I have 7,000 papers because that's. I'm old-fashioned. Well, what but anyway. to do instead is I'm going to give you this copy. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. So we'll close with our motto. Yep. Remember, kindness, kindness counts. counts. Thanks. <laughs>